Good morning, everyone. It is good to come to you again by way of this video, sharing in this first Sunday worship after Easter, and I trust you are well. It seems a little strange doing these service, me and Ryan present in the worship center. Reminds me of a time when I was in a rotation of pastors in a town and we would take turns when a person did not have a minister and they needed someone to do a funeral. And the first time that I was called on, it was me, the funeral director, and the person in the casket. And unfortunately, the funeral director went to sleep. So it was just me in the coffin. It's a little better than that today, but it is good to have you with us. If I could invite you to this deserted worship center and ask you to share the most significant day in your life so far, what would it be? Ask yourself that now. <clears throat> Maybe the day you purchased your first home. Maybe it was the day that you started the job that you always wanted. Maybe it was the day that you married the love of your life. Maybe it was the day that the doctor told you about a serious disease that you had. Or maybe it was the day your first child was born, the day a loved one died, or the day that you graduated from high school or college. There are days like that in all of our lives that can bring about significant change. And truthfully, there are days in history that bring about change. December the 7th, 1941. July or June the 6th, 1944. Or how about 9-11? Or even July the 4th, 1776. These and many other days have quite literally changed human history. But what about Easter in the first century in Palestine? What about the day that the disciples met the risen Lord? What about the day that you met him in your life for the first time? There is no doubt that meeting the risen Christ changed lives in the first century. In fact, so much so that those who met him quite literally changed the world then and now. But what about your meeting the risen Christ in our time? What has it changed in your life? What has it changed in your family? How has it changed your world? What does meeting Christ mean for you in handling times like this pandemic? So today I want us to travel in time to those days immediately following the first Easter, though they did not call it that then, but on that Resurrection Sunday, travel to that time to the men and the women who meet the risen Christ. And I want through their experience to interrogate our own meeting with the risen Christ in our time. 
asking the question, does it matter? Has it really changed anything? So meeting the risen Christ? So what? And I want you to honestly answer that question today. Let me direct your attention to John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. And always remember that John very specifically recorded events in the life of Jesus that called people to a decision. These events are not so much to be exegeted as to be identified with and to call forth a verdict in our lives, to find a connection in our lives. So hear these words. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you will hold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Well, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Following the incredible and world-changing miracle of Easter morning with the resurrection, the Gospels record encounters between Jesus and his followers over the next several days prior to our Lord's ascension to heaven. Such encounters would change their lives, and in changing their lives, contribute to changing our lives today. I ask you, what was an important day in your life as we began this sermon? May I suggest that nothing has more impact in terms of time and eternity than meeting 
the risen Lord. Indeed, it will be the only thing that will ultimately last. That event changed lives in the first century. The New Testament is full of those stories of change. And it has been changing lives in every century ever since. But the question for us, has it changed our lives? Has it changed your life? If it has, how? So today, let's look at what may come when one meets the risen Christ, our living Lord. And let's do that through the lens of the text that I shared with you and the experience of those early disciples. And right up front, when one meets the risen Christ, our text suggests there is the possibility of a lasting peace. You know, John wrote his gospel to call people to a verdict when confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wrote his gospel, and in our text even says it, to elicit belief. The material that he chose, material which could have been expanded far beyond what we have, but he said these things were chosen so that you can see your life in relation to the Christ. And you can see your life in terms of meeting this Jesus, who was the most unique person to ever live on this planet. This was certainly true of the accounts of the resurrected Lord. On the evening of that first Resurrection Sunday, the disciples are gathered behind locked doors, our text says, because they were afraid of the Jews. Rightly so. These Jews, and you may want to read that, leaders like the Pharisees and Sadducees, they wanted to totally eliminate this messianic movement that was related to this Jesus of Nazareth. This gathering behind a, a locked door was not so that Jesus could prove he, who he was by walking through it, but that locked door reflected the fears and the challenges that these disciples felt. Were they to be the next on the agenda for a Roman cross? Were they going to be the next ones that the religious leaders would have arrested? Were they going now to have to go back to their lives as before, back to doing what they did before they met Jesus? There was legitimate reason for fear in the lives of these disciples, uncertainty about their future. And that day, that, that very first day, had been full of troubling tales. Women reported that Jesus' tomb was empty. Whatever did that mean? Some of them claimed to have seen the risen Lord. Was that credible? Cleopas and another disciple had returned telling them how the risen Lord had made himself known to them at Emmaus. Well, what was going to happen next? And what did all of this mean? As they are there discussing these things, fearful for their lives, suddenly in the midst of this fearful gathering of disciples, Jesus appears. And the first words out of his mouth, Peace be with you. He knew 
that this was exactly what they needed at that moment of crisis in their life. And that is exactly what their Lord offered to them. One of the great benefits of meeting the risen Christ in life is the possibility of peace. Oh, I know that the greeting that he gave them, shalom, could be just merely seen as a greeting like hello, but with Jesus and in his relationship to these disciples and what he had said many times to them before, it carried with it profound meaning and implication. Peace that comes from knowing the risen Christ is more than the mere absence of trouble or the absence of fear. It is a sense of well-being that comes in spite of our circumstances. Peace, in the language that Jesus would have spoken to his disciples, shalom. And it was something that Jesus had shared with his disciples on other occasions. You see, when Jesus offers peace, it is peace of mind. How many of us need that today? Peace with God. How many of us need that as well? But it also offers us a lifestyle that comes from the abundance that flows from having eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. It is the prosperity and blessing of the soul, even in the midst of what is fearful in life. Let me ask you, what has you afraid today? Most, if not all of us, are afraid of this silent killer that is stalking our land. One of the members of our church has been hovering on the edge of life and death for the last several days, suffering from this virus. It is fearful. But we are also afraid of other things that came before the virus exists during it and will be here in our lives when this virus is a matter of history. Issues in our families, they can create fear. Issues of economic well-being. Issues of ongoing health problems. Issues of not being accepted. Many things can make us afraid. So what are you afraid of today? To meet Christ is to meet one who has come alongside you to offer peace. Oh, the, the threat may not soon recede, but you are changed. And you face it with a certain balance and equanimity that you did not have before you met the risen Christ. We are able to say with an old hymn writer, it is well with my soul when peace like a river is there. You will not find that kind of peace anywhere else save in your encounter with the risen Christ. 
You know, in this same gospel in chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said to these same followers these words. Listen to them. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He knows our needs. He knows our fears. And the risen Christ shows up so that we may rise up from our fear and the despair that it often brings. So what does it mean to meet the risen Christ? Well, our text, along with many others, suggests the possibility of a lasting peace. But wait, there is more. To meet the risen Christ is also to be given the plan of a lifetime. Notice in verses 21 through 23, we actually get John's form of what we call the Great Commission. And it's summarized in these words, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father had sent him to make possible the good news, to reverse humankind's failure in Eden, this this great and gracious work of God. So Jesus now graciously gives these fearful and disconcerted disciples locked in a room a plan for their life that would send them out beyond those locked doors into the world that they were afraid of. Go, he said, and live and share as I have done. As I was sent by my Father, so now I am sending you. This is what they were to do. And Jesus being Jesus even gives them that extra dimension of spiritual power when he says that as you are going, notice what happens. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, in proclaiming this good news, in the power of the Holy Spirit, people in our world can find forgiveness of sin and the very life of God that those disciples were experiencing and that we have experienced. If a person receives Christ, we can boldly declare that people are forgiven, and so they are. You know, I could put it like this. Christians are called to vocation for their life. While you may teach in a classroom, You may work in a kitchen. You may nurse in a hospital. You may repair cars. You may be receiving calls at a business. You may be a bookkeeper, an accountant. You may be any number of things, an engineer. Wherever we are, God has graciously given to us the vocation of living as Jesus did going as Jesus did, to share and live this good news in our lifestyles, wherever we are. You know, in our church, we like to call this lifestyle evangelism. In the ebb and flow of life, we bear witness to God's mighty act in Jesus Christ. 
and God's Spirit uses it to draw and attract others to this living Lord. Is that your vocation? Oh, but Pastor, I'm a teacher. No, it is more than that. You have the vocation, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, of being sent to be as he was, to be that kind of present in the world where you teach or where you work. Are you doing that today? Have you even tried? Or like so many in our nation today who are hoarding alcohol or bath tissue or frozen chicken nuggets, we are hoarding the good news that has changed our lives. So many Christians who have been given the greatest gift, meant to be given to others, simply hold it to ourselves. This vocation is not for people like me alone. Clergy, pastors, preachers, missionaries, whatever you want to call us. It is for anyone who has met the risen Christ. If you meet the risen Christ, you have a plan that can center your life right to the end. And by the way, make you a better teacher, make you a better accountant, make you a better engineer, make you a better housewife, make you better at whatever you do. And because you are going as Jesus went, you can make a difference in the world around you. So to meet the risen Christ is to have the possibility of peace. It also is being given the plan of a lifetime. But wait, there's even more here. When one meets the risen Christ, we can make the profession of a living faith not a dead religion. Enter the story that we read, the famous doubting Thomas in verse 24. Somehow he had missed all of these incredible happenings. When told about them, Thomas says he will only believe when he can reach out and touch the very wounds of Christ. You know, I don't think we should be hard on Thomas. Because many of us would have said the very same thing. The resurrection was an incredible, almost unbelievable experience. But I also think that Thomas lacked something at the core of his being. That his encounter with Jesus, who graciously invites Thomas to touch him to prove who he was. In this encounter, his life was now aflame with a great confession of this incredible reality about who Jesus was. You know, you may not know this, but one of the strongest and most explicit biblical texts in the New Testament on the deity of Jesus comes right out of his mouth. What was it? Well, you, you heard it my Lord and my God. This is the confession that John wrote his entire gospel for. To elicit this from anyone who hears the good news 
and encounters the risen Christ. My Lord and my God. Not only is Jesus alive, he is the Lord and he is God. If we are going to find eternal life and live as we were created to live, then this confession must be personally ours as well. The risen Christ is the most profound person we will ever meet. You know, almost every Easter for the last several years, we have heard S.M. Lockridge's That's My King. But I want you to go back and listen again to his line-by-line description of Jesus Christ, that, that, that crescendoing description that ends with this thunderous affirmation, that's my king. This is the person that we can meet and find ourselves confessing what Thomas did even today in the power of the Holy Spirit that is given with the gospel. We can say, my Lord and my God, and believe it. So, have you heard the good news? Is this the core confession of your life? It can be. And you know, to be honest, in the end, it is the only one that will matter. John makes it clear that when one meets the risen Christ, The soul that is troubled by much, like many of us are today, the soul that is troubled can find peace. Life, wherever, in whatever vocation, can actually have a purposeful plan that will add value to those around us, just as Jesus did. And we can have that profession of a living faith not a dead religion that is centered in the truth of my Lord and my God. In Jesus, the God who was and is holy other has invaded our space and casting aside the six feet rule of today, he dared to enter our very hearts. And unlike the virus of today that kills and maims, this invasion brings the life of the ages to us, to our time, to our day. And in addition to that, as incredible as it sounds, it takes care of all of our tomorrows, whatever they may bring. So today the question, Have you met the risen Lord? And if you have, so what? What difference has it made? What real difference has it made in your life? Let's pray. Eternal God, we thank you for these words from John. Words that elicit action that call for decision, that leads us to the place of casting verdict as we confront the risen Christ. We are challenged to accept what only He can give.
peace that is ours despite circumstance, a, a vocation for a lifetime. And in that vocation of going as he went, of adding value in our families and among our friends and co-workers, and then being given this living profession that confesses the uniqueness, the adequacy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Father, we don't want to be merely practicing religion here. We want to be in a relationship with one who is truly Lord of life, Lord of our life, and who is in the mystery of all history, time, eternity, and the universe, is also God. Father, as we know Him as Lord and as God, our lives are changed. And we thank You that we have met Him. And we just pray for the courage, the faith, to live as men and women who have met the risen Christ. We pray and we commit our lives to you in his name even now. Amen.